listening to this NLDS edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close here along with Jeff Mosher and Philly Split in Atlanta. Jeff, if I told you before this round that the Phillies would split in Atlanta, you'd be pretty happy about that, right? Yeah. I mean, if you told me, though, that they won game one first, I would probably get greedy, which I did. A split is good. I know the percentages of road teams that win game one uh, to win the series are pretty good, something like over 70%, I think. So uh, as we sit here today, Frank, I'm not discouraged at all by any means. I, you know, they ran into a good pitcher. Well, everybody's a good pitcher at this point, you know, and they didn't they didn't exactly, uh, you know, put the ball in play too much in game two. So they did spoil an opportunity because you got a good start from Zach Wheeler that we'll talk about. But, like, you come home and you've got Aaron Nola, uh, you know, to try to win your game three. I, I feel good about that. I feel good about this team, Frank, coming home after, even though sometimes we talk about home, there's pressure. This is the playoffs. The park's going to be lit. And I think – a little home cooking is what the Phillies need. Maybe, maybe in particular Hoskins and Schwarber to get their bats going. Yeah, the bats going. I think that's something we need to talk about here. So that that kind of was lost in the game two discussion. A lot of the game two discussion afterwards was about Reese Hoskins, uh, who misplayed a ball at first base that did not count as an error, but clearly was an error, and you know, of course, led to the likes of Jason Stark to you know report that. He was negative six defensive runs saved. This That means he cost them six yes, runs, essentially, <laughs> uh, at first base this year. So I think that that's been dominating the discussion is Reese Hoskins' glove. But but you know what, though? More than his glove, he's got a hit. Yeah, exactly. Like, if he makes that play, guess what, folks? They still lose, <laughs> right? If he makes the play, they lose one nothing or 2 nothing instead of 3 nothing, and I think that that's getting lost. I mean, I'm not trying to ease up on Reese Hoskins. I'm I'm easing up on Reese Hoskins, the fielder, because at the end of the day, Reese Hoskins, the batter, was more detrimental, along with other guys not hitting in that game, to them not doing anything offensively and really losing that game. Like, we know – I hate to – again, you don't make excuses, but it's like, you know, you leave the house without an umbrella on a day it's going to rain – that's on you. If you're expecting Reese Hoskins to make a bunch of great plays at first base, that's on you. We know that he's not a good defensive first baseman, but he is a good hitter. And I, I thought this year, Frank, more than any other year, he was not as streaky. I mean, his hot streaks came and went, but his cold streaks came and went faster than some of his past cold streaks. I thought it was more consistent, but right now he – is not consistent. I mean, he's not getting on base, not getting big. Hey, I have one big hit. Yeah, the double in what game one. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's not, not been great. That's, that was his only hit to find his next hit. You had to go all the way back to when the Phillies were in Washington, meeting oh my God. no hits in Houston. Now he played 25 straight, straight at bats. He, he was, he was hitless until that he, double. Oh, he was, he was like one for 28 or something. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 no hits in, in Houston, mm-hmm. then no hits in St. Louis, one hit in game one. Uh, like that, that's, just, that's just not going to get it done. It's not. You know, it's, it's almost amazing that the Phillies were able to kind of close it out, clinch the playoff spot with Reese not really hitting in Houston. Uh, other guys have been able to step up. Um, so I, I think the big question going into game three, Frank, is does Rob Thompson feel – like he should play it the way he's played it all year from a batting order standpoint? Or 
does he feel a little urgency to change things around? I think there's an argument to be made on both sides. For example, I am typically just do what you did to get you there. However, there's no doubt about it. The way they get, they won game one was a style of baseball that Rob Thompson has not orchestrated nor have the Phillies orchestrated all year long. They have not played small ball like that. But you have to play small ball at times in the playoffs to win games. And the Phillies, unbelievably, did a good job of that in game one. So does that tell Rob Thompson here as we look toward game three, is it okay for me to change it up a little bit because the playoffs matter? Do I do I put a different leadoff hitter in? Do I move Schwarber and, and Hoskins around a little bit? I, I've thought about it, and I would just keep it the same and hope that coming home gives you the juice that you need for these guys. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I would not change the lineup. I would change the approach. I feel like changing the approach doesn't have an effect on the lineup that they're they're all of a sudden messed up. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. people people that were comfortable in their spots that that could throw them off. Whereas mm-hmm. changing the approach, saying hey, can you can you hit this guy over? Well, <laughs> that's not changing your spot in the batting order. You you you're still comfortable where you are in that lineup. And and really, you know, one argument against changing things up when you get to when you get to the the postseason, I got to look at Seattle there. Mm-hmm. Did you see their game one loss? They lost uh, yeah, I when see. they I went saw. to their ace, Robbie Ray, to get the uh-huh. last, what, out or two? I can't remember how many it was. Right. But he gives up a three-run home run, and they have a walk-off loss. Great call. Yep. So Robbie Ray being thrown into the, the ninth inning with a couple of runners, ah, I, I, that, to me, that's a little bit over the top. You know, right. whereas, I don't, you know, we saw it in 2007 with the Phillies, you know, their first their first playoff game. Kyle Kendrick pitched a nice game, or, they, or they, but then he got the bases loaded. So when Kyle Loesch comes in to, in relief and gives up a grand slam, right? You know, I think I think throwing people out of their usual place at, at this point, I think that's 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 kind of showing panic more than it shows maneuvering. So so if you change the, I think Thompson probably would have taken the same approach in Game One in Game Two if he had the opportunity. The only if I'm Correct. I think the only leadoff batter he had on for the first six or seven innings was the Harper double in the second inning, right? Mm. And I'm not sure in that situation with Castellanos actually hitting the ball fairly well recently that you're bunting Harper over to third with Castellanos, even with Bohm on deck, and Bohm's been great and good, and you could get that fly. But I don't know. Do you second-guess that? I mean, do you, I don't really like taking the ball, uh, the bat out of Castellanos' hands at that point. He's your, you know, one of your – your middle of the order hitters, but it is like if you're going to have a Harper bunt in game one, and I don't know if that was Thompson's decision or, or Sounds Harper's like it decision. was Harper's own decision. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was too, but um, I don't know. I mean, if you go back, do you do you bunt Harper to, to third there? I like getting one run at a time, however you can. I mean, I, I think we we know that as you just said, you are facing the better pitching here, mm-hmm. and Kyle Wright. By the way, they I know they say wins don't matter. But that might be the case if you're a nice pitcher who walks away with 10 to 12 wins. When you have 21, that mm-hmm. shows somebody that pitches deep into games yes. and gets the decision. So yes. I, I, while I might not worry if somebody won 12 games, like a Jacob deGrom Cy Young year where he's got a losing record, for example, or um, King Felix had a losing record, uh, like 10 and 11, he won a Cy Young. Mm-hmm. On, the other, on the converse here, Winning 21 games in this day and age just shows to me that the pitcher can 
hang long in games, and he's getting people out. Yep. So yep. so Kyle Wright, very strong year. Uh, he 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 will be a Cy Young candidate, and I haven't really dug into that stuff since it doesn't really affect me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but he's but he's he's no slouch. So you want to take the runs whenever you can get them, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and I'm thinking ahead here. You know, if if Kyle Schwarber doubles to lead off the first inning to Wednesday night, or not Wednesday night, what am I talking about? Uh, what's that? Friday night, right? If Kyle Schwarber doubles and Reese Hoskins is in the two-hole, I'm bunting him over. I, I, there's no question about it. You're just doing that at this point for two reasons. One, because it's playoff fundamental baseball, and two, because at this point I trust Reese Hoskins, I think, to bunt the runner over more than get a hit that's going to score him from second base or even move him from second to third one out. So I'll take my chances with the three, four, and five and move him over in that case. And I know in the regular season I wouldn't do that. Well, I, I never in the regular season liked Reese Hoskins batting second. That's been something I've said over and over and over again. Don't like it. Not but you keep bit. him there now, right? Because then moving him would be a change. Yes. I I mean if if you got this far you gotta stick with it. You know, it's 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 you know, that's cool collected Rob Thompson. You don't want to start him looking like he's panicking. That's just right. cuz that's, that's what they said when they by the way we we have to talk about them renewing Rob Tom. I mean I think we all yes. knew that Rob Thompson would be back but that was one of the things they said was that he had the the uh, calm steady hand and um that that was really what made the difference for this team so you you need cool collected Rob Definitely and I I don't I don't he his personality strikes me as someone who is not going to go into game 3 making radical lineup batting order changes. I I really do think he's going to stay the course. I think he's willing to take the criticism if staying the course doesn't work. Uh, and that, that You know there's no winning like that when you're the manager. Um, and I also believe that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like, you know, if he did make changes, they could work too. Uh, you can win in, in a variety of different ways, but you can also lose in a variety of different ways. So that, what like, I go back to Kevin Cash. He took a tremendous amount of criticism two years ago in the World Series, right, the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. um, manager, when he pulled, uh, who was it, Snell, who was pitching amazingly, or was it Morton? I can't remember at this point. Who, who was pitching great, and he pulled him. He was pitching like a no-hitter, wasn't he? And he pulled him anyway to go to his bullpen, and they lost the game. Um, and he got a lot of criticism for, for giving the hook. But you know what? This is the formula that got the Rays to where they were. Their bullpen was their best asset. So when Kevin Cash pulls his starter, even if his starter has only given up a hit or two, to go to his bullpen, what he's doing in his mind is not weakening. Like most people think you go to your bullpen, that's a weakening. He's going to his strongest asset. So he stayed the course, and he lost. But I don't think he did the wrong thing. He got absolutely pilloried for it. But that's just hindsight criticism. It was indeed Snell. So it was. You, Snell. you, you were yeah. correct. I, I it's just, hard to believe that that you know this year's compared to this year's Snell, but uh, <laughs> and yeah. he had only given up a hit, I think, a hit or two. Hit, one or two hits. shutout. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then I think they went to who's the really tall right-hander who's goofy looking that they brought Kyle. Uh, <laughs> God, what's his name? They all throw hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say do. the hard thrower, but either way, I mean, obviously they lost the game and. And he got a ton of criticism for it, but all he did was simply do this, the, follow the formula that got them to where they are. And for eight eight times out of ten, that worked for the Rays, and that was one of the times it didn't. 
but I don't I don't vacuum criticize like that. So I would not be upset if Rob Thompson says we're just going to go with what we got us here. Yeah, and by the way, he was also known for pulling Morton too early uh, a couple times, or at least so people said. So sure. So so let's talk a little bit about uh, game one, right? So we didn't really get to talk about that so far. We've been focused on game two, but. Uh, one that the Phillies pulled out, they they set the tone by by getting a lot of runs off Max Fried early. Mm-hmm. Um, although unfortunately, Ranger Suarez only gave them what three and a third or yeah. three plus. Yeah. So, uh, how concerned are you about that? Do you think that you know that was just a good team beating him up a little bit? Was it Ranger Suarez just didn't have it? I kind of know. been the story of, of Ranger for most of the year though, right? I mean, I mean there have been stretches where he's pitched a lot better. Um, but, you know, he started off the year this way. He went through a lull in the second half this way where even when he was sort of effective from a scoreboard standpoint, he was throwing a lot of pitches. Just has had trouble locating. I, I thought he was – I don't know if I would say he was squeezed, but I thought he was close on a lot of pitches in game one that he just wasn't getting. Uh, they were clearly giving the inner half of the plate, which usually favors him um, because he likes to come inside with the with the, um, with the the cutter that he throws or the, and then and – then, you know, try to get somebody away with the changeup. So, it's a, is it a concern? Yeah, because he just hasn't he hasn't been an efficient pitcher for most of the year. But my bigger concern really is the bullpen and the order with which they're going to try to get outs in late inning games. I mean, I'm I'm pretty set. I would love for Zach Eflin, Frank, to be the guy who comes in. When the starter gets pulled, there's a runner on first. You need a ground ball to get a double play. Then maybe if you want to start him again the next inning when the bases are clear, if it's seven eight nine or six seven, you know, doing that. I, I'm really uncomfortable, and I have been from the start with him being the last guy, especially in a playoff game. I just I firmly believe your last guy has to throw. You know how we went through this with Naris, right? Uh, like your last guy has to go through be a, like a ninety five to ninety nine mile-per-hour guy, and they have those guys. It's one thing if you don't, but they have those guys. So your ear was for me. So we were, of course, we were texting back and forth during this, how they were going to manage those last few innings, and we were right. saying, well, do, can you get two out of somebody? And I'm like, well, maybe you get one plus for Dominguez and then one plus from Alvarado and piece together. But, right, and I like damn, Sir Anthony just blew through <sighs> six batters in 18 pitches. Jeez. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, you know, We've been watching Serenity Dominguez, and he he didn't have the control, but he had the stuff. Well, now it looks like his control is back. Yeah, well, it was kind of funny. I mean, because even John Schmoltz said it. I don't even know if he did. Dansby Swanson was just swinging and because he couldn't, he had to react. Like there, there, some couple of those pitches were not strikes, but who the hell knows whether it's a strike or not when it's coming at you like a seed? You know, yeah. <laughs> if it's close, you're gonna swing. So I and look, that's fine. That's what you need. That's you need that power arm in these late innings because when you get to the playoffs, Frank, you know this, even if you're facing like uh, the six, seven, eight or the nine, one, two, and it's only a one or two run lead. A lot of these guys can bang it over the fence anyway, you know? And if you're Zach Eflin who nibbles because you don't have 95, 96 and you put a guy on base and maybe because you got squeezed, you know, it's, you get into the danger zone there of just leaving one pitch out there for a guy to yank over, and they're all looking to yank it over the over the over the fence. So, uh, I I I understand because we talked about this in game one that if you look at it, Alvarado and Sir Anthony got the heart of the lineup. They were like the closer because they really did get the better hitters 
and Eflin had to come in and face the quote unquote non better hitters. But like I just said, those guys are are, are all in the playoffs. Going to be pretty good hitters too. Well, here's the thing. So Sorrentini's first inning, he faced Acuna, Swanson, Riley. Right. When's that? By the, so by the time Eflin came in. Even though Alvarado also blew through that. So they blew through nine hitters in a row, no problem. Right. So then when Eflin came in for the ninth, he got Acuna, Swanson, Riley. Yep. And then, of course, Matt, Els- Matt Olson behind him. So yeah, it was, was almost actually, like they were too efficient for the seventh and eighth. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If, if you come in with Sir Anthony, you uh-huh. get the heart of that lineup out. You keep that separation between the two teams so that yep. in the ninth inning, there's some room to work with there. You know, I don't think you want to make it tighter early. You know, mm-hmm. and and honestly, when when Matt Olson homered, uh, I thought that was going to be caught in center field personally, and of course it just kept going. Yeah, I agree. I, listen, but, I'm not trying to bash Eflin, by the way. I really thought that that ball was not hit very well, but it's just more the the concept of this guy trying to get your last outs in playoff games that we've already seen twice now is not really what he's made of or made for. And I think, though, like if you were watching the broadcast, I think they said right before Matt Olson walked up, it's like, well, you know what? He doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, he matters. But for me, Zach Eflin could go right after Matt Olson because even a home run, worst case scenario, doesn't give you the lead or lose the lose the lead. Sure. And so that's why I thought that's how I thought Eflin was approaching it. Are you shocked that that Acuna can can uh, single off of him? No. Are you shocked yeah. that Swanson could single off of him? No. I mean, I I didn't think he totally got lit up, and then the fact that after Riley Riley strikes out, Olsen homers, and then he gets Contreras and and Darno, right? I you know they won, <laughs> right. so I, no, I, I again, yeah, again, I, I'm not like trying to slam Eflin more than I'm talking about like late game philosophy and what what the tried and true way of closing out playoff games is, and that's having either guys who throw 98, 99, or you have somebody who has such a great pitch that like a Mariano Rivera cutter that you don't have to throw 98 or 99 because you're sawing everybody's bats off. Eflin, to me, is – I just don't think he's the late-game guy going – he should be the late-game guy going forward. Well, certainly they took a hit by losing David Robertson, who jumped up and down in celebration yeah, for Harper's home run in St. Louis. And, man, what a what a loss that is. I mean, I guess that means behind Alvarado – and behind Dominguez and 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 I guess Eflin's the next one in line, but behind that, you guess I guess you're at Bellotti. And yeah, man, and Brad kinda, Hand, who oof. by the way looked good in Game One, but he's still a bit of a wild card right now. Yeah, he is. He is, and and Bellotti scares me. But you know why Brogdon was in that game, and uh, although I guess that at that point you don't know who you're going to go to, you're still saving. Your hand, Dominguez, Alvarado, Eflin, I, I don't know. Could you have gone to Syndergaard there? Could you have gone to right. somebody else? Well, that's the thing, too. I, I, I think so, Frank. I, 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 that's the one the one decision I say I don't – I really – I'm not with Tom Perron, and I don't really understand the philosophy behind it. It's almost like he was praying to get a few outs from him, you know? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Brogdon had any – I mean, Brogdon hasn't had anything since he had that bout of COVID and was on the IL, so I don't know if I – don't, I, don't, I don't know how sick he got. I mean, apparently he was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he has not been the same since. So I don't know if that took something out of him. And but you know, but that's the that's the thing I I kind of didn't understand because you knew you have Wheeler and Nola coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you all your starters can't pitch, or the, all your starters are not going to start, right? Mm-hmm. So why he didn't uh, piggyback him with with a center guard 
uh, and then maybe you have somebody else to use last night for that yep. one inning. Yep. So he's kind of t- maybe he didn't want to tip his hand as to who might start Game Four. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think that too, but I mean, I think we all know that if if you know this Game Four starter is going to be Bailey Falter, right? I mean, if he's trying to, I, I don't think the Braves are dumb. <laughs> I yeah. think they understand what the Phillies have been the last last, last few. Now Falter did get banged around by the Braves. That was his one bad start. Well, that's uh, a good point. Since he became a starter, so but but who knows? I mean, maybe they will, maybe they think a rested veteran Gibson will. Give them something that that the, they can't get from the others, or maybe they start the one and have the other ready. I, right. I say that's a, that's that's the, that's the shame of this here that they didn't take, as you said, you were greedy. They didn't take game two, so that means you're going to have a game four now. Yeah. Which means one of those guys is going to have to start. Now the, the Braves have not announced their starters yet, uh, even for tomorrow for game three. I mean, I'm assuming it'll be Morton soon, sooner than later. Uh, you don't know what's up what's up with Spencer Strider. That could be the holdup. Spencer mm-hmm. Strider uh, had been on the IL. Of course, he didn't have a chance to rehab. He's just kind of throwing. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get with him, uh, although you, he is active. He is on the roster. Um, are they going to use Spencer Strider as a starter? Are they going to use him? Uh, in fact, I'm just looking on – on. Uh, um, there you go. As of an hour ago from when we're recording this, uh, Brian Snicker said he hadn't decided on a Game 3 starter. Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider are both possibilities. Hmm. So, Interesting. They said Strider was available to pitch last night if he was needed. They're held, they're confident he's ready to go. So, so that's kind of like the uh, starting pitcher controversy in Atlanta right now. Who are you going to start for Game Three? Well, that's a problem I'd like to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, so we'll see here that that's uh, um, that's kind of the wild card here because even if you do start Strider. If mm-hmm. he can't, if he can't give you length, then the Braves got to go to that bullpen, and I think I like the Phillies' chances against the bullpen better than I do against Spencer Strider. So, but uh, but looks like you are going to get a Morton start either day. But as we said, going into that Bra- last Braves series, the Phillies have been able to to hit Morton at times. So, um, I don't think they're def- I don't think they're de- they'd be definitely out of it. Right. But uh, but but this is uh, you know, um, so really <laughs> with this uncertainty still. The mm-hmm. day before, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's their way of of making the uh, Phillies. Uh, I mean, the, the Phillies will play in for either way, right? So I mean, it's not like it's, it's any type of advantage. All right. Is there any advantage of starting Suarez over Falter on three days rest? <sighs> I don't like that. I just don't know if there's enough of a gap. Like I know Suarez is a better pitcher but he just hasn't been dominant if, enough this if year the to... Phillies are facing elimination maybe but I, I don't know I don't know that I don't know that I mean, he only that. threw 86 pitches so uh, 86 is, is the same as like guess. 50 yeah. you know yeah yeah I think he was I remember when Phillies in fact, started I think, back um, in the day I think we I'm sorry I think Wheeler threw less pitches than that right oh yeah oh god he was cruising he was through yeah. six innings with like 60 pitches before the or fifty something before the wheels fell off that one inning. So right, he you know I was he had gotten that third out, man. That, he probably would have stayed in there, but but he and Wright were were dueling for a while. Is Wheeler available to give you two innings in Game Four if you need it? So you, it you would have to be <sighs> facing elimination. That's what I'm saying. If you need, yeah yeah that's what I meant. That's hard to say. I mean I know you I know you don't want to plan for tomorrow when you can't yeah. assume it will come, but right. Well, I think you, you know it's always an all hands on deck situation uh, in those when you're in elimination. So 
It's a little different than like the World Series. Like I remember Cliff Lee, he started two games in the '09 World Series. Right. What he started one and five, and I mean, if, if Game Seven they needed him for a few, he would have done it. <laughs> you yeah, know, but yeah, same thing with Bumgarner for the the Cardinals, right? Or yeah. no, right, that, the Giants. The Giants. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. I think he pitched three times in the World Series. Yep. Yep. He sure did. So he came, that's right. He finished out the last few innings or whatever. So yeah, they, they gave him a win when. Should have been a save or something. Yeah. <laughs> something weird like that. <laughs> yeah, but either way, he made two starts and then finished off the final game, and he was, like, legendary for that. He is legendary for that. So, But let's let's uh, worry about that maybe on Monday, <laughs> if, we, <laughs> if we have to worry about it on Monday. Fair um, enough. But the, uh, so the plan is Aaron Nola mm-hmm. at home versus one of those two pitchers. you got to think either way that still kind of leans Phillies. Yeah, I mean, this is what you want. You want either Wheeler or Nola. You got Wheeler in game two. Uh, he pitched great. Um, I don't think – you know, I kind of was hearing some sentiment that he lost his his focus or his, you know, dominance after he hit Acuna, and then there was the whole drama of Acuna getting really hurt. But, you know, he gave up a single to Olsen. Okay. Olsen's a good hitter. Not Olsen, Riley. No, Olsen, good hitter. And then Riley had a bunt. A swinging bunt like that, you know, it was a no man's land between the pitcher and third base, and it was an infield single. Like that's not to me, the guy lost his focus and gave up a hit that scored a run. That was that's about as lucky as it gets. I, I would have pitched was... him another inning. I'm... Yeah, yeah, and then especially when you're bringing in Bellotti to replace him. But I, I would have thrown him another inning too. But nonetheless, um, you got everything you wanted out of him, and, and we've seen October Nola be pretty darn good so far. So I'm pretty confident. I really hope, I really hope that, uh, and I'm a hypocrite for saying this because I can't go, but I really hope the ballpark is is just jacked and lit and everybody's excited about the whole weekend of Philly's playoff baseball and then Eagles Sunday night against the Cowboys. Like, I I would just love, I think it's great, you know. Let's, let's talk about that for a second because did you see the prices down in Atlanta on StubHub compared to the prices in Philadelphia for these games? It was like eight eight bucks or something or 12 bucks to get a <laughs> ticket, right? Well, I think with the rain coming, it was it, it was empty for for game two. I, I it's just, I, I, That's amazing. I mean, part of it might have to do with the fact that they, you know, Atlanta relocated to the suburbs that aren't Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so, but but yeah, that's that's. I heard uh, that stadium's a nightmare to get to for if you live in the burbs, right? It's north and west of the, the actual city, so you oh, have to okay. be. If you're coming from the city, I don't believe there's any direct public transportation. So, <sighs> I mean, even if you're a visitor to town and you're just staying downtown in Atlanta, there's there's really no way to get there's there. There's no train. Like, they don't, there's no like mass transit. I don't believe so. There? No. What the heck? Uh, that's well. Listen, I've been to Atlanta for uh, many times. You probably have as well. Um, I've been there for for sporting events, and it's it ain't it's not a passionate pro sports city. They, they're about their bulldogs. They're about NASCAR. Um, Georgia Tech gets a pretty decent, you know, because that's downtown Atlanta. But but uh, it is not a great sports town. No matter what pro sports town, no matter what any diehard Atlanta fan will try to tell you. Yeah. So that yeah, I I will say this. I the last time I was there, I think I was. <laughs> I was near Mercedes-Benz Stadium in some sports bar to watch the Eagles while the game was going on uh, mm-hmm. down the road. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was uh, pretty, 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 uh, pretty interesting. I got to watch everybody walking down to to, to the game. So they, they, at least it seems like oh, well, they you know, they only needed to fill eight games. You know, that's uh, every every football team, right? They fill they'll fill eight games, no problem. Anybody will. Yeah, I remember the Eagles once played a Monday night game against the Falcons in, in Atlanta. And being in Atlanta on a Monday, 
you had no idea there was a football game that day. Like it was, you know, there's not like early tailgating. You know how it is in Philly. If there's a Monday night football game, people are driving down to the link at like, you know, Sunday night (laughs) at midnight. But it was one of the most boring kind of um, just atmospheres. Although there are some sections of Orlando that are fun, but just from a sports standpoint, it just was not, you know, it wasn't all that. Here we go. I'm looking up, by the way. So if you are in the Atlanta area, they have a blue bus and a green bus. Oh. They, they both travel directly to the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park free of charge, but they're buses, uh, so that means they're not going to be uh, that that quick. Um, there's a ride lot, and you can take a bus route 10, mm-hmm. and then it's a 10-minute walk, they say, to the stadium. 10-minute walk? Yeah, or if you, oh my God. If you travel to uh, – if you take the bus to – Cobb Parkway and Windy Ridge Parkway it will be about a seven-minute walk to the stadium. So anyway, there's like there's nothing direct. I know that that doesn't sound like a long walk, but for our listeners who who may not be familiar with Atlanta, it's freaking hot in Atlanta. And if you're making me walk, and it's not just hot, it's humid. And all summer long, if I gotta walk ten minutes just to get to the ballpark from wherever, I'm gonna be a pool of sweat. Yeah. So so anyway, that's that's Atlanta. So very cut off from the city. Um, wow. So I, I, I guess I can decision. see why people wouldn't want to go. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I would expect Citizens Bank Park to be loud, mm-hmm. full, two hundred forty some dollars a ticket to uh, for standing room. Last I checked. Oh boy! If you're looking on StubHub, so uh, that makes me think that there's not a lot of people flying up from Atlanta for this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> if you're not going to go to your own home games, you're not going to fly to Philadelphia to go. Yeah, you could buy a whole row. At your ballpark, right. you're not going to travel to Philadelphia. But, it did look like Philadelphia was was decently represented, though, at Truist Park. I mean, you could see mm-hmm. swatches of of the the red and blue there. Absolutely, and it, you know, by the way, Atlanta's at least. Then again, you got to rent the car and drive 40 minutes, but it's it's a easy city to fly to because oh yeah, it's a hub. U.S. Air or American Air, bam. Yeah, Hartsfield Jackson's like a. For, for a lot of a lot of the companies, that that's one of their hubs. So. It's a, that that airport is like a city. I mean, it's yeah. not as big as O'Hare in Chicago, but it's sort of just as busy as far as people running in and running out. Yep, one of my least favorite airports. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'll say it was my least favorite airport. Then I went to Orlando, <laughs> but supposedly they're building a new terminal. Oh, yeah, Orlando. Orlando's better now. It's better. It's better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people rip Philadelphia Airport, and I get. I'm like, you must be ripping like the. F- the 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 like the time it takes to actually get the plane in the air, but the airport itself has been upgraded like tenfold since I first moved down to here. So I mean, it's it's nice. There's a lot of places to eat and good things to do. I think it's just its reputation. Yeah, I've had to change planes there a bunch of times, but at any yeah. rate, this is a baseball podcast, not this a is. complaint this is. about but travel. Hey, travel podcast. is a part of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so, do you think they can do it? Do you think that the Phillies are going to pull this series out? Um, man, you know, I think I can, you know, I'm, it's 50, 50 right now. You know, they had a, if they had won, well, of course, if they won game two, everybody would think that it's, it's lock. I, I think whoever wins game three will win the series. That's what I think. All right. I, I, that, I might fair. agree with you there. I mm-hmm. think this has the potential to go five. So uh, I would say it'd be interesting. There might be a game in Atlanta on Monday. Who knows? Maybe I can get there. <laughs> I think we all agree the shorter the series, the more it favors the, the Phillies. Yep. Um, from a from a pitching and a bullpen standpoint. Yeah. I, I just, listen, if the Phillies don't win 
they don't win, but I would like to see them go out swinging. You know, I'd like to see them go out, put some runs on the board, get some runners on, make the Braves sweat. Braves are a good team. They won 101 games, and they're defending champs, and they're actually better than they were last year. I mean, Acuna is healthy, and their pitching's better. Um, it's just all around better team. So we, the Phillies are battling a real Titan here, but you know, short series is anything can happen. And now it's technically a three game series. Yeah. So the Phillies will be headed to Atlanta for a game five on Sunday. So we're, so it's the elimination game. Eagles eight, 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 eight what's, when's, when's actual kickoff these days? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, like eight twenty. It's going to be a, it's going to, but Sunday will be a party. Yes, it will. Let's uh, let's hope it's a good party. Wait, real yeah, quick. Is, Hold on before yep, we leave. I, I do. Well, I mean, we we sort of dabbled on the Rob Thompson two year oh, contract good, good and point. definitely deserved. Are you surprised it's just two years? I think that to me feels right. like the the organization saying, "Hey, nice job, but we just want to see if this thing's for real or not." I think it's about right. I mean, I the the veteran type guys get three usually, three, unless yeah. you're Dusty Baker. Right, and probably will walk away from the Astros because their organization's falling apart. But but uh, no, Wait, I, I was thinking, I, did, I was unaware of that. They're falling oh yeah, apart? the G, the GM and the and the manager are not under contract for next year in Houston. So oh. and apparently they don't get along with the owner Jim Crane. So that's a shock. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, he's that guy's something. Um, so so yeah, so they might walk away. So wow. Which would, be, which would be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I mean, th- there's a lot of talent there. They've been able to kind of replenish. Yep, they sure have. But uh, but I thought two years was about right. You know, it's it's a, uh, I mean, at this point, it's kind of uh, an extension. Um, he won't be going. Certainly, you don't want to give him a one year deal because, you know, uh, he would then be a lame duck immediately. So, uh, but but yeah, I think I think in some respects, you want to see how he does over a full season. Yep. You can always extend him another year uh, after next year. Uh, I don't, I don't like the lame duck manager. You almost have to every time you have a manager, you almost have to pay him one extra year compared right. to what he manages. Right. But uh, I mean, Girardi kind of started the season as a lame duck, and you saw where he went. So yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't like the lame duck manager. But I still think they they probably want to see what he can do over the course of a full season. So next year's it for him to to figure that out, and he's got another year beyond that. So and then and then if he does, and honestly, if he doesn't, I I expect. Like I've been saying all along, like a lifer like Brian Snicker, uh, I expect him to to excel. Like Snicker excelled with the with the Braves. Yep. So I think that uh, I think that he will do a great job, and I think he will be here perhaps longer than those two years. Yeah, and I would assume this organization, headed by really Dombrowski and Fold, will continue to put the the kind of product on the field that'll enable him to win. So I mean, they'll do their best attempts at it, while also and obviously we'll get into this after the, the, the Phillies are done, but they're going to clearly have to make a few moves to not only better the team, but kind of improve a little bit the farm system. I mean, they got the two pitchers down there, um, but they'll have to make some other moves as well. Well, he's part of the future. Be even sweeter if they can pull this series out. But once it's over, we'll be back. Talk all about it. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast for Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. We'll catch you after the series.